Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Are you trying to master the game of life without success? There are secrets and strategies to living your best life. We'll share some of them with you on today's show. Take advantage of this series to become an expert at relationships. All relationships. It's time to live the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Sandra Reich. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, a show about living your very best life. Every now and then we get an email or a text from one of you guys asking for topics. And we really like that, by the way, because we want to talk about topics that are important to you. And about four or five weeks ago, somebody wrote in asking for a show on learned helplessness. What a great idea and what an important topic. What on earth is this and what are the implications? There are huge implications. So today on Straight Talk, learned helplessness, how does it happen? How does it affect depression, anxiety, and the quality of your life? Uh, Welcome to the show. If you want to join the conversation, we're at 1-866-472-5792. If you prefer to text, it's 1-514-796-4357. Or you have the option also to email info at healthforanxietydepression.com. We love to hear from you. So feel free to write us, text, or call. So I want to start, uh, before my special guest arrives, I want to start and talk about where this term learned helplessness comes from, because it's a rather interesting story, actually. Um, So in 1967, uh, researchers were doing an experiment on dogs, actually. And what happened is that they noticed, in a nutshell, that if dogs felt, and I'll explain how they tested this, if they felt that there was nothing they could do to protect themselves from a negative outcome. So in this case, it was a shock. If a dog felt that there was nothing he could do, he or she could do, like push a button or jump over a fence or whatever, and they kept getting shocked, the dog would give up trying even when later on there was a solution shown to the dog. I want to go through this. I really want to explain this because it was a revolutionary experiment And it really helped us in psychology to understand what is going on for people. So what they did is they created three groups. And in one group, the dogs uh, were put in harnesses for a period of time, and then they were released. And in the second group, the dogs were put in harnesses, but they got electrical shocks that they could avoid by pushing a panel with their noses. The third group got the same shocks as group two, except those dogs were not able to control the shock. So... The dogs learned that no matter what they do, they're going to get a shock. Now, where it got interesting is not that level of the experiment, is after that experiment, they were put into another box, all these dogs. So dogs from the first group, that's the group that just went in harnesses for a period of time. And groups from the second group, those are the dogs that got the shock, but knew that if they pushed the lever with their nose, they could avoid the shock. As soon as they went into the next box where they they could learn very quickly that they jumped over a barrier, they could avoid a shock because that's how the box was set up, that there were shocks, but if you could jump over a barrier, you'd avoid the shock. Where it blew the psychologist's mind is the dogs that had been in the third group that had no control over when they were going to get shocks in the first experiment, in the new experiments, even if they were shown what to do, they were not capable of learning to jump over the barrier to eliminate the shock. They made no attempts to try anything to avoid the shock. The dogs just lied there and just accepted their destiny. Like, oh, I guess this is life. I'm going to get shocked. Nothing I can do. So you can imagine why this revolutionized psychology, because what did this experiment teach us? Well, it taught us that, and I talk about this often on the show, the concept of locus of control. It taught us that as long as we feel, and it is perceptive, this feeling, as long as we feel that we have a locus of control, then we have hope and we will continue to try things and we will continue to try to see how to get out of danger. However, if we have the belief And it really is a belief that there is nothing we can do to change our circumstances. Then a phenomena called learned helplessness will occur where we will give up and do absolutely nothing to change our circumstances. Wow. 
Think about that from a psychological perspective. I'm sorry, I get a little excited about this stuff. From a psychological perspective, it explains the concept of victimization, something I talk about on the show and everywhere I go all the time. Why do some people fall into the victim and they just don't seem to want to get out of their circumstances? And we watch them and we say, what is going on right now? What, why are they stuck in the victim? What's going on? Why are they not helping themselves? Well, could it be that they've fallen in, learned helplessness, and they feel, even though not true, they feel that there's nothing they can do to get out of their circumstances. So they literally, like the dogs, just lie there and sort of say, woe is me. So one of the things, when we come back, we're going to take a break in a few minutes, but when we come back, I have Melissa Hindley in the house. We're going to talk about the implications for depression because learned helplessness if this is something that shows up in your life or you've seen in others, is highly, highly linked with depression. Let me take a moment to explain that before the break. Depression is a flat state of somewhat hopelessness. What is learned helplessness? A flat state of hopelessness. So people who are depressed have a tendency to believe that they have no control over their lives and our, a lot of the work of a therapist is to show people, and this is very important, I'm going to say this before the break, we're going to talk about it with Melissa when we come back, is that we always have some choices in our life. And I know some of you are listening, and we're about to take a break, so I'm going on a controversial point, because some of you are listening and going, no, that's not true, we don't have choices. And when we come back, I'm going to show you that there's always choices. They may not be great choices, but there are choices and choices is going to be the antidote to victimization and the antidote to learned helplessness so before we go i just want to say that what they studied with the dogs is how do you overcome learned helplessness very difficult because the dogs gave up they were lying on their back whining they weren't doing anything but if they were shown physically over and over again what to do to avoid the shock after a few times being shown and physically taking them they were capable of learning so psychologically that explains a lot of our work is when someone's in learned helplessness and that's why therapy is important i'll tell you it's important is we want to show people step by step how they can get back control over their lives and when they get back control of their lives they will come out of learned helplessness and possibly out of depression. We're going to take a short break back. Sorry, <laughs> can't speak. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Melissa Henley, clinical counselor and very favorite person on this show, comes on often to give us some insight. We'll be here to talk about her experience with learned helplessness with her patients and some great strategies to help you if this has shown up in your life. We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Henrich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness.
You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So we are back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, an important topic, learned helplessness. I have in the house Melissa Henley, clinical counselor, brilliant clinician. And Melissa, welcome back to Straight Talk. First of all, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me today. I'm happy to have you. It's an honor. Melissa, you, um, you have heard a little bit what we're talking about here. I'm wondering, first of all, do you, does learned helplessness show up in your office? Yeah. How and so? It, it's, um, I loved how you talked about the study because although, you know, when we hear about animal studies, we get, you know, a lot of those studies wouldn't have happened today, ethically one path. Right, but, right. But they did teach us a lot and, and uh, a lot of useful and great information about how this might play out in our, in our personal lives. So, you know, and they also did this. They also did studies with um, with people. You, did you talk about how they they would um, take people in and they did experiments where there was a noise and they were writing an exam? No, please tell about that. Yeah. So after the dog study, so they they took uh, people and they gave them an, an exam, and what happened was that they put on this sound, and with the sound, half of the people in, writing the exams were told that if the sound was bothering them, that they could turn off the sound. Right. And then half of the other people writing the exam were told that they had no control. Like, basically, they had to kind of deal with the sound. Mm-hmm. And so what they found was that the people that had, whether or not they actually turned off the sound, just the fact that they had a perception that they could have control and they could determine if they wanted the sound or not, they actually performed a lot better on the test than the people that felt like they didn't have control. And I see this a lot in my clients. When when you feel like you, they don't perceive to have any control, then it just feels like there's no use when they're constantly being faced with fears of failure and constantly being placed up against difficult situations and up against tasks that they're seeming, like they're perceiving that they're failing, they, they tend to just give up or either um, the, the, the symptoms start to escalate and get worse. Right. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So as I said, I'm curious in your office, have you seen this play out? Yes. So how so? So symptoms start to get worse. um, That the depression symptoms, when, when you said that you feel like there's no control, right? Just like with the test, if you have no control over the volume with depression, we often seen that people don't feel like they have much control because they've tried and nothing gets better. And then we start to have thoughts that nothing, you know, like these overgeneralizing thoughts that nothing's going to get better. And I'm always going to feel depressed. These are types of thoughts that start to suggest that maybe we're falling into learn helplessness. So it definitely plays out in a lot of anxiety and uh, and a lot of uh, depression symptoms when we start to tell ourselves that things are not going to get better. And that's oh. a sign of learned helplessness. Okay, so, you, you know, so people get into learned helplessness and they start to go into a victim state. Yeah. Okay, so I talked about that the, the research shows that the animals started to get better when they were physically manipulated to show how they could get out of mm-hmm. the helplessness. Mm-hmm. What do we do with humans? Mm-hmm. What do you do when somebody shows up in your office? I'm sure this happens to you. It's happened to me. And they're like, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. And yeah. there's no solution that works for them. I also promised after you answered on the break, we'll all show that there's always a choice. But I'll let you start with this. Yeah. How do you take someone? You can't physically manipulate them. No. So what are you going to do? Well, first, great question. First, we have to be honest with ourselves. I think that's one thing you talk a lot about, too, is just being honest with ourselves that we are in learned helplessness. And just even putting a label. I find sometimes even putting a label on things. I mean, we don't want to label you know there is controversy and is there is downsides to labeling but there's also many advantages of just knowing that this is a phenomenon that happens and that maybe we're falling into learn helplessness so the first thing i would always encourage is to is is to help the client to see help you to see that maybe we're falling into learn helplessness then i would look at what type of thoughts are you telling yourself like i mentioned before um you know, how are you talking to yourself? How is your self-dialogue? Are you telling yourself that things are never going to get better? Are you telling yourself that things are always going to be uh, difficult, that there's always going to be pain in my life, right? Because if we if we keep telling ourselves these negative 
negative thoughts, what impact does that have on us? Right. It's you know, if we tell ourselves negative thoughts, we stay in the story mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Yeah. So we cannot do that because we're feeding the poison. Yeah, and of we're feeding course the that poison. feels bad, right? Right. If, if I feel like it's never going to get better, of course that's going to be discouraging. And, right. And feels bad. So is that step one to change the story? Yeah, to change the story, to change the thoughts, because when we're in learned helplessness, our thoughts tend to, especially with depression and anxiety, our thoughts lie to us. <laughs> right. They right. lie. They lie. Right. So. They're telling us that things are never going to get better, but but through learning how to challenge your thoughts and telling yourself a different story. So one technique that I often tell my clients is that what what would you like? Is this thought helping you get the results that you want? Mm. Right? Like, is telling yourself that it's never going to get better is that helping you get the results? Okay, but your client might be saying, "Well, no, it's not helping me, but I know it's true." Okay, I can't get out of this depression, I've been in a funk, Mm -hmm. things are not getting better, Mm -hmm. I don't see any solution, I have clients that tell me, well, I have no social connections, Mm -hmm. I don't see how I'm going to make friends, I don't Mm -hmm. see that's going to happen, it's, you know, so what difference does it matter what story I tell, like, Mm -hmm. what's the difference here? Yeah, and is that thought helping you, or is it harming you? Well, it's not helping me, but my, my client would probably say, or if someone was stuck in this, they'd say, even if I didn't have this thought, at the end of the day, I still don't have any social connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what if you if you were in this situation, right, if your best friend was in this situation and they were saying, I can't get better, I have no friends, I have no social connections, what would you tell him or her? Well, let's go back to now my concept of choice. Mm-hmm. Now is a good time to talk about it. So mm-hmm. I, Sandra Reich, very much believe that and I not only do I believe it, I feel it's a fact that we always have choice. Mm-hmm. Do you agree, Melissa Henley? Yes. Okay. So people sometimes say to me in my life, in my career, how could you say such a thing? What if the choices are give up my child for adoption or go on welfare? They're not great choices. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. But if you can focus on the fact that you have choice, mm-hmm. That is in itself empowering because that means that you have some locus of control. And remember, learned helplessness comes from no locus of control. I often refer people to a book called Man's Search for Meaning, which is a book written by Viktor Frankl, famous psychologist, who was in a Nazi death camp, uh, obviously a long time ago, some 70 years ago, where everything was taken away from him. Everything. I mean, it was a concentration camp. He had no control over his environment, none. And he was able to develop a psychological theory that we use to this day called logotherapy by remembering that there was one thing the Nazis could not take from him, which was his thoughts. Mm. So even then, he had some locus of control, but what a clever man. Mm. He wrote a very famous book called Man's Search for Meaning. It's a tiny book, but it's a game changer to read that book because it's the idea that even in the most dire situations, we have choice. What do you think? That's very powerful. I think it's very powerful. I love that book. Yeah, and I love that he, you know, it's true, you know, things might happen and, and, uh, you know, we might lose our job, we might lose our family, we might lose our friends, but the only thing that we do have control of is ourselves and our thoughts, right? So I, I, I definitely agree because that, that goes with my theory as well, what I tell clients is that we might not have, you know, it, it might have not been our decision or our choice of what happened to us, but we do have choices and we do have uh, the, the choice to make it better. Right, right. Coming back to this argument that people say is that the choices we have may not make the situation better, though, Melissa. It's the fact that you have a choice. It's the perception, right? Just yeah. like in the experiment with the test, it's just the fact that we believe that we have a choice or if we can empower ourselves to feel like we have a choice, whether whether or not what the choice is, it, it's that perception that makes the difference. Yeah. So I believing have, we have the choice. I have the feeling talking to you that you feel very passionate about this topic. I do because this, Tell me. this, this happened to me personally. I think that... Um, I caught myself going into learn helplessness. Well, when I was, uh, I knew right away that I wanted to go into psychology. And I, right after uh, high school, I went right into CJEP. And in CJEP, I did uh, I did 
psychology. And right after that, I knew I would I would go into Concordia at psychology. And when I finished my undergrad, then I knew right away that I needed to get my master's degree and, and potentially my PhD to, to practice in, in psychotherapy. And, and uh, you know, to get into these schools is extremely difficult. Yeah. I think they take yeah. like less than 10%. Yeah. And when I was applying through uh, my master's degree, I actually tried three times and I got declined. Oh, I didn't know that, Melissa. Mm-hmm. Wow. Three times. And I caught myself because I was going into learned helplessness of feeling that I had no control, feeling that, you know, again, and the, the universe is against me. The You know, it's, even though I knew this is exactly what I wanted to do, why was it so difficult for me to get in? Yeah. And I started to victimize myself you know, calling, saying that I wasn't good enough or just saying that, just being really frustrated that this is something that I really want to do. So rather than wait and, and, uh, you know, because I had a choice that then I could have gave up, right? Because learned helplessness makes us have the tendency to want to give up. So I had a choice that I could give up, but knowing this was my passion, knowing this is what I want, I decided that I do have choices. Now, the choices I didn't really like, right? Mm, Like to move across the country by myself, spending a lot of money was not the the most um, practical choice, but I, I did realize that I did have a choice. And instead of waiting for people to give me what I wanted in terms of the schools giving me that acceptance or, you know, rather than waiting for something external, I I found, you know, we always think that there's always this one way of getting what we want. But, you know, when we take a step back and when that one way isn't working, that, you know, maybe there's other options. And so I started to research and, and try to see, okay, what could be my other options? Because sitting back and doing nothing even though I was for a bit, wasn't, wasn't working and wasn't feeling comfortable. So I made a decision. I applied to a private school in Vancouver and I got accepted. And, and since then I fought my way. And since then here I am today. Wow. I didn't know the story. What a great story, Melissa. And, and you work at the clinic and we're so happy to have you. And that one moment in time determines whether I even knew you, mm-hmm. you know? So what you did is you took your lemons and turned them into lemonade, as I like to say, and you also took these rejections, like I often encourage people to do, is almost maybe our listeners can do this as a test. Mm. How bad do you want it? Mm. That's what I like to say when I keep hitting a wall. How bad do you want it? Mm. I think that was very, very amazing what you did. You moved across the country simply because you kept your eye on the prize. So mm-hmm. no learned helplessness for you. Well, I did fall into the trap, though. So I had to get myself out of but it. But you did. How did you... But, like, did you? Did somebody help you get out of the trap? Like, how did this happen? No, because other people would discourage. Like, other people would say, okay, well, maybe try to find something else. And, right. You know, like, what other options? What else do you like? And maybe you can just... Once you graduate with your undergrad, maybe you can go just work in a job and figure out what you want. And I was like... Something didn't feel right. Yeah, but that's amazing because if you were fully in the trap, in theory, you should not have made a move. So something mm-hmm. pulled you out. Something pulled me out. What was that? But it, to me, it was questioning myself and I wanted the eye on, my eye on the prize, that I knew what I wanted and I knew that by staying trapped and feeling helpless and waiting for other people, that's the key part, is that I stopped waiting on other people to let me in. Brilliant. And I made my own decisions. A brilliant story. My own, uh, my own fate. Brilliant story. And talk about walking the walk. I mean, this is what we ask our clients to do. Really nicely done, Melissa. Great story and a great example of options. Um, when we come back, Melissa alluded to people pulling her down. So I'm going to take the opportunity to talk about crab mentality. think it's important because it feeds into learned helplessness. So when we come back, crab mentality, what's that all about? We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. 
Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. We are back on Straight Talk. So the thing about doing a show is there are sometimes technology issues. And today we've had a few, but hopefully you haven't had to deal with too many of them. But it has come to my attention that when Melissa was telling the story in segment one about learned helplessness and the experiment that was done on humans, that we had some serious background noise. And I think it's important enough for me to ask her to repeat it. So we're going to briefly talk about that. And then I'm going to talk about crab mentality, which I really want uh, listeners to know about. Melissa, what was the experiment that was done on humans that proved the concept of learned helplessness? Yeah, so they took uh, people and they divided them into two groups. So one group uh, was able to do a test, but they had this really annoying background noise that was there. And uh, so both groups had the noise, but the difference was that one group had they were told that if the noise was getting too bothersome that they did have the control to turn it down versus the other group had no control they had to withstand the noise so what they found was that whether or not they actually turned down the volume of the noise was irrelevant it was the fact that they had the they had the control to change the volume of the of the noise that they actually performed a lot better in their exam than compared to the people that had no control. And we see this a lot, as we were talking about before, we see this a lot, this learned helplessness that when when we get uh, hit against many, many roadblocks in our past that we just eventually learn to give up. And, and we'll, we see this a lot in depression and aging, uh, in domestic violence and poverty and parenting, uh, even in academic achievement. When I explain to you guys my story, and uh, also, I see this a lot in the, in addiction, where we just people just learn to give up and feel like there's no way out. So, to highlight, just you know, such an important piece here. This these experiments were done by brilliant researchers that have helped us enormously. So, the key concept here that we're talking about is locus of control. Is the idea that we have some control over our lives. Now, many of you listening right now, many of you are going, "Yeah, I totally agree," and many of you are saying, "No, we don't have control over our lives." And there's a fundamental difference between people who believe they have control over their lives and people who don't. Does that mean there isn't a factor of luck? And you know, Melissa's. I mean, the other school had to still let her in. There are external elements. But at the end of the day, one of my big missions is to teach people that we still navigate the ship. So she had to go, I don't know, where'd you go, Vancouver? Vancouver. You had to go to Vancouver. Um, You know, and I have stories similar to this. But before I get to that, I want to talk about crab mentality because it's a very important topic for me because in my story, when I hit walls and I decided to come up with solutions, Everyone I spoke to and even family members said, you're crazy. Mm. It can't be done. Yeah. Um, you know, so I went back to school late in life and they said, don't do that. It's, you'll be the laughing stock, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So what is crab mentality? This is a psychological phenomena that is studied where crabs, when they're trying to get out of a jar, one, one crab trying to get out of the jar, the other crabs will pull the crab back in the jar. Why on earth? Do crabs do that? And why on earth do humans do that? Are we inherently evil people? I know you might be tempted to say yes, mm-hmm. but no, we're not. So let's put that up for discussion right now. Melissa, mm-hmm. in your opinion, why is it 
that as humans, we do something like crabs, that when someone has a novel idea, like go to Vancouver or go back to school in their 30s, the majority of people are going to tell you all the reasons why this will not work. Yeah. Why? Yeah, very interesting. And uh, I think it's, it's because when you have an idea that you want to better, any idea that leads to bettering your life, it's when you share this with somebody that is in the crab mentality, it's almost as if you're triggering uh, their own insecurities, right? Like they want to better their own lives. But because a lot of people stay in the victimization or in their comfort zone, that when you do something, when you make changes, it's triggering and reminding them of the changes that they're not making in their own lives. Really well said. Really well said, Melissa. That's exactly right. It's like sometimes when you hear people break up in marriage and or they're about to leave a marriage, and I'm not saying that that's the best route, or, or mm-hmm. nor am I saying it's not the best route. I'm not really making a commentary on that. But people will get very ruffled about that. Like, why can't you just settle like the rest of us? Yeah. Like, we're miserable. Come join us. Yeah. Stop trying to reach for those stars. You know, I have to end the show always on reach for the stars. People don't always like if you reach for the stars. I think you said it very well. It makes them uncomfortable as to why they didn't reach for their stars in their life. Mm-hmm. So going to Vancouver, like, who do you think you are changing your whole life to follow your dream mm-hmm. when all of us didn't follow our dreams? I do want to say this is not conscious. Yeah, no. It's not a conscious thing. So people are not going, oh, I'm going to like really make Melissa insecure. Yeah. But it's very dangerous. I don't know. You're a young girl, but like, I don't know about you, but I was a young girl when these things were happening too. And it almost worked on me mm-hmm. because family members were telling me mm-hmm. all the things that can go wrong and putting fear mongering really. Yeah. And we know even today's these days in politics, we see fear mongering all the time. It works on people. Yeah. Fear works. Um, it had to have had an effect on you. Yeah. People saying that, it did. It made me question. I, I spent a lot of time going back and forth and weathering, deciding whether this was the best decision and should I do this uh, because there was a lot of factors that, that were in the way. And so it definitely it definitely made me question myself. And I see this a lot in my clients where, you know, they, someone who does have a lower self-esteem and someone who, you know, has been through other uh, difficult situations can, can believe them and then actually not take those steps. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, if the crabs are pulling you down, so one of the things I tell people sometimes is be careful of your audience. So what I've learned through the years is now when I have a novel idea or something that's new, Mm -hmm. and most likely I'm going to get a lot of crab mentality, I'm very careful who I tell the story to. So you want to tell the story to people who are going to go, oh, interesting, tell me more. Mm -hmm. Not right away jump at all the things that can go wrong, because that's very toxic. It's a smoky room as far as I'm concerned. I don't need to be told all the things that can go wrong. I don't need someone to tell me that's going to be great either. I'm sure you've already thought about the things that could go wrong. Right, right. I don't want Pollyanna, though, either. I don't want Mm -hmm. you to tell me it's going to be easy to move to Vancouver, because Mm -hmm. it's not. No. I only want someone who's, you know, I'm, I'm... advocating that you guys want someone who's like interesting tell me more how are you going to do that Mm -hmm. how are you going to go to vancouver how are you going to earn income like what's Mm -hmm. the plan Mm -hmm. you know and go oh interesting different cool Mm -hmm. cool i support that Mm -hmm. because you know what what if you went to vancouver and fallen on your face and you didn't have enough money to pull it off it still would have been an incredibly valuable lesson well that's that's and and to disclose that's what uh that's what helped me get through too as well is that my dad found a quote in the um, in the in the Gazette actually, and he cut it out for me and he gave it to me. He, I, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say the quote properly because I don't remember it word for word. But essentially, it was like, uh, not having tried is not the true failure. It's not having tried at all. Right is the true failure. Right. That's yeah. That I know that quote, and you've said it very well. What a great dad. I mean, that's that's beautiful that he said that to you, and I think it's so true. And, you know, I'll tell you that my story, you know, this is, again, we're in full disclosure here. Mm-hmm. My dad was not as supportive when mm-hmm. I went back to school, but when it was all said and done, yeah. he, he actually told me all the things that can go wrong. And when it was all said and done, he said to me, I would have loved to do what you do. Wow. It's changed my life in my 30s. Wow. But so that's when I connected the dots that if somebody would have liked to do something and they don't, they're likely to make you feel very uncomfortable doing it. So I guess you and I have something hugely in common. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, so very pivotal moment in your life, pivotal moment in my life where learned helplessness was right there. And we wouldn't be sitting here right now. And I think many of our listeners are in that moment right now. So, you know, 
we're talking about your dad giving you a quote. My dad was not giving me quotes. Our listeners may be facing all sorts of people telling them what can go wrong and starting to really feel like they keep getting, you know, people tell you, I keep getting hits. Like I stand up and I get hit again and I hit again. What can we say to them to keep yeah. them on the path? Well, and that's that's another type of thought that I want to talk about because then it when we start to think, you know, I keep getting hit, I keep getting hit, there's always obstacles. I've heard this many times this week with clients, right? And this eventually becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, say more. So, you know, that that's the concept that, you know, if we feel powerless in our life, right, because things keep happening to us and, you know, life we don't have – uh, control over external thing, uh, many external things. But you know, if we if we feel powerless in our lives, then maybe our behaviors, how we respond to that powerlessness, is gonna is very important. So Brilliant. if we respond to it in isolating ourselves or by not taking actions that's gonna help us, and by maybe taking more of a passive stance, then we actually do become powerless. So it's like we it becomes this like vicious circle that we end up creating. And, and so maybe we have to look at what role do I have in perpetuating this powerlessness feeling or what role do I have that could keep these, these, uh, these feelings uh, continuing? I think that's a really, really great strategy, Melissa, and an important one to you know, highlight. I'm going to repeat it for our listeners is that what role do you have in perpetuating this problem? Meaning, is it becoming self-fulfilling? Are you, is the story you tell yourself that it cannot work out? Because unfortunately, our brain does exactly what we tell it to do. I often say when I speak, if you tell your brain you're in Hawaii, your brain will believe you. Mm-hmm. And if you tell your brain that you can't get this right, your brain will believe you. Mm-hmm. So a very important piece of the puzzle. And, you know, this is faith in a way because – if you tell a client, we'll change the story, they're like, yeah, that's not going to work. Mm. There's a little bit of a concept of faith there. We're like, try it. Mm. What's the worst that could happen? Mm. But we can't prove it. We can't prove it at that point. No. It's the faith concept. Until you try. But would you like to give yourself that chance to try? Yeah. Right? Like, nothing, we can't, even as therapists, we can't guarantee. You know, no. We've seen it. We've seen the results, but we can't guarantee it for you. But that's what I tell my clients when they say, well, can you guarantee that I get better. It's like, well, would you like to give yourself that chance to try? Yeah. And, and it empowers them to feel more courage than rather than me giving them the courage. I love it. And I think the person who suggested this show, I have no idea why they suggested, but perhaps they know someone in learned helplessness. And I think that that's strategy one, to be careful of the story. And strategy number two might be, you know, to acknowledge that we do have choices. You have to admit that to yourself because you can't get out of victim mentality or learned helpless mentality if you believe you have no choice because then you have no locus of control and then you're the dog on the floor whining. Mm-hmm. The dog felt that they had no choice and it is in our uh, mammalian nature mm-hmm. to feel that if we have no choice, there's no point even trying. So we've got to get that element of choice in there, mm-hmm. but you got to be truthful. Is it really true that you have no choice? Mm-hmm. There's always choice. I gave a concentration camp example. Mm-hmm. I gave the um, welfare or adoption example. There's some top choices you got to make in life, but there are choices. So if you're listening and someone you know is struggling, you want to have, and that's another piece of the puzzle, a little bit of a tough love discussion, because that's the other problem is if you're in love or care about someone who's in learned helplessness, it's very easy to slip into enabling them. And maybe that's when we come back, we'll have to talk about that because you'll feel sorry for them. They keep getting victimized. And actually that's the worst possible thing you can do. You're smiling, Melissa. Yeah. Why are you smiling? Because I wanted to talk about this, but it's oh, true. It's, we're good together. We're, we're all good around the table. But it is true, and this is a trap that will that sometimes we fall into because you know someone who is or or and it's true. Many people have been uh, through very difficult situations and through a lot of pain, a, a, a lot of terrible things that happened to them, and so it's it's very tempting to want to save them and rescue them and make them feel hope when they don't have hope. But this is a slippery slope. Very slippery slope. The rescue is a slippery slope and feeling sorry for them is a slippery slope. On that note, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and talk about how to be sure you are not enabling and you're not caretaking. We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. We're back on Straight Talk. Um, so we were talking before the break about the concept of someone in your life is in depression slash learned helplessness. Um what are you to do? Because the problem is there's a tendency to either want to rescue them or feel terribly sorry for them. And both of those actually feed the learned helplessness. So I was talking about tough love, you know, this concept, and this is a lot of the work we do at the clinic, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and people do come see us and they pay us and they come back, but we are tough. (laughs) We are tough. We're loving, but we're tough. We don't accept victimization. Um, In our clinic, we'll say to people, um, we'll say to people that, you know, you have to take some responsibility. You have to take some responsibility for the quality of your life and you have choices here. Mm -hmm. What about... The idea of rescuing someone, why wouldn't it, oh, why wouldn't that work? Well, definitely when we start to, I always tell my clients, right, because they're like, well, I'm really trying to help. And my my argument to that is that, yeah, but are you really helping? I'll give you, like, I'll talk more about that. So what, let's say, for example, if, if you're in learned helplessness and you're uh, feeling down and, and victimizing yourself, that life is horrible and things are so hard and you can't, you can't do uh, you can't write your CV, you know, you can't write your CV so that you can find a job in, in a field that you want to work in. Mm-hmm. So if I try, I want to help you, right? So I'm going to write your CV for you. I'm going to mm-hmm. spend all my time writing it for you and making it really beautiful so that you can get the job so that you will feel better and that uh, you won't feel sad anymore. Right. But I always tell my clients, what message am I indirectly sending to you? If I do it for you, what message am I sending to you? Right. If, you, if you're saying that I am not capable of doing it myself. Yeah. So you're, I'm, I'm pathetic. You're, I am pathetic. Yeah, and I'm feeding your learned helplessness because I'm saying you, I'm indirectly, even though this is unconscious, I don't mean to because I'm trying to help, but I am sending a message that you can't do it, that I need to come in and do it for you because you can't do it yourself, and I'm going to do it faster for you, and I'm going to do it better than you. Right? right, and so when we do that, do you see how then I'm feeding that learned helplessness? I'm feeding that thought that you. This is so important, can't Melissa. This is so important. You're helping so many people by saying that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're. So it starts out with good intentions, yeah, very but good. it's not that kind, actually. No, it's a little bit more controlling than it is kind. Yeah. Okay, so it's not an act of kindness to rescue someone. And the rule of thumb to know whether it's a rescue or whether it's help is if it's something the person could do themselves, mm-hmm. at least in theory, you're not supposed to be doing it. And this is also true with your teenage kids, people, mm-hmm. okay, is you're not supposed to be doing things. So what you could do is say, come over and I'll teach you how to do a CV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But and you'll know that they're in depression, learn helplessness if they don't want to learn. They actually want you to do it for them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they learn that you know that other people are going to come and rescue them. So so it's easier because then they don't have to learn. Like it's easier to stay in your comfort zone. Yes. Right? So, but that that's one thing that I find that clients really uh, are able to really because when I just talk about the risk of caretaking and the risk of doing it for them, they're like, yeah, but I'm really trying to help. But when I say are you really helping them by doing that? And what message are you sending? Great intervention. It, it's really helpful for them to see, no, actually, you know, it's, it's true. I'm sending them a, a message that I don't want to be sending them. So how can you really get, how can you help? How can you move forward? Right. And that's what you said is empowering the person to do it themselves. And you can be there and you can be supportive and, and helping them. It's kind of like that saying again, uh, that you're teaching them the skills of, of how to live their life and not, not doing it for them. Okay, so no rescue. What about feeling tremendously sorry for them? Like, oh, this poor soul keeps hitting the wall. Poor, poor Melissa. Mm-hmm. Is that good? Well, again, what message are you sending them? What message are we sending them? If we keep saying poor them, poor you, and we, and we, we feel sorry for them. I guess we're saying that their story of victimization is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so they have bad luck. They have bad luck. And sad sack. Sad. Yeah. yeah, bad luck. And that we're, we're, we're reinforcing that belief that they already believe about themselves that nothing's going to get better. Okay, but would you agree for people listening, when you tell someone who's really stuck in victimization or learned helplessness that, that you know, they have options, there's ways out, they don't always want to hear that. No. Why not? No, because uh, it, it feels impossible. And there's times where even the choices do feel impossible and the choices feel very, very difficult. And, and there's another option is that maybe, maybe they're not ready to make those changes yet. So when they, hear, uh, when they hear that the other person, you're providing options and you're problem solving for them, which is not necessarily what they want to hear. So what would be the, the best response to help but not to problem solve, not to, to, not to uh, over-sympathize? And, 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 uh, I, th- I think empathy is really good, but mm-hmm. em- empathy, not sympathy, sympathy being pity, mm-hmm. empathy being like, like I feel that it seems really hard for you. I, I get that. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. That's the thing I say to people a lot. Like it sounds really hard. What are you going to do? I'm talking about outside of the clinical work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, it's like the old expression, don't buy, bring somebody fish, teach someone how to fish. Um, I'm always ready professionally and personally to teach people if they want to learn how to get out of the areas of their life that they're stuck in. Uh, and if they don't want to learn, I, unfortunately or fortunately, I'm the person who's going to say that's very interesting that you don't want to learn when you say you're suffering so much. Mm-hmm. I find that quite fascinating. I am wired in a way that if I'm in pain and I know somebody could teach me something that could get me out of pain, if they ask me to do 200 jumping jacks on a rooftop naked every day, I will do it because I don't want to be in pain. So when somebody wants to stay in pain, that is curious to me. Yes. And and another interesting point is that you kind of have to, so with doing those 200 jumping jacks, you're going to feel pain. So a lot of people try it. Yes, they're feeling long-term pain, but they're trying to avoid uh, the real pain of, of working through something. Right. it's going to trigger feelings and yeah. it's going to trigger uh, other types of pain. So, for example, when you're with the jumping jacks, you know, you're going to feel tired. You're going to feel exhausted. Your yeah. muscles are going to hurt. Yeah. And, and you might be avoiding that pain. But, again, then we're perpetuating this cycle. Well, um, I, I love what you're saying. I love it. And, and, and there's times where, you know, if, if really uh, my client comes to that decision that they really don't want to, they're not – they don't want to get better right now and they choose not to, then it's just acceptance of where they're at right and now. And own it. And own it. I, own Sandra Reese, choose to be in a victim state right now because it's working for me. Yeah. I consider that a partial victory if a client yeah. can say that because yeah. they're owning their story. And accepting where they're at right now. And right now they're not ready and that's okay. Right. Now, some cliches come up here now because one of the things I say to people a lot is it's pay now or pay later. Yeah. You can do the work now and you will pay. pay. Yeah, or a lot of people, you know, it's another show we could do on avoidance because I'm not an avoidance, and a lot of people really, are you an avoidance? I don't even know if you're an avoidant or not. Uh, uh, what I want, no, but emotionally, yes. Okay, because <laughs> a lot of people choose to avoid the pain, and I find it interesting because you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later. I'd always rather to pay now. It's like paying your credit card debt. Pay it now, okay? 
But it's interesting. People are wired differently, but yeah. it's pay now or pay later. Yeah. You, another cliche, my father used to say I was big on cliches. You can run, but you can't hide. It's, it's coming to get you. It's true. You, you, you kind of have to go through that uh, misery to get out of hell. That's the only way out is to feel the pain, is to go through misery. But at the end of it, uh, it's like the, what's I always get this mixed up because I, I say it's the calm after the storm, but I think it's the same the as calm before the storm. Before, but I'm changing it to after. the calm after the storm, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I think that um, what you're saying is of really importance to people, and I think that our message, both Melissa and I, our message today is that there are options. You do have locus of control, just like the dogs could learn to be manipulated, to learn that they could push a lever to get rid of the shock. You do have options. They may not be the options you would have liked, but there are options. Now, sometimes you need a professional to bring you to that place. Sometimes not. Sometimes you do. And it's really good to reach out for help, which is another uh, antidote to learned helplessness because learned helplessness is giving up. But reaching out for help is a step in the right direction. I want to say one more thing before we run out of time is people who are in this state tend to think they're the only ones who face pain. Mm -hmm. I remember many, many years ago reading a book that said there's an equal amount of pain for all people, which is a controversial statement. I do realize that. But as a woman who's lived quite a few years, I can assure you that I have never met someone who was able to escape pain in their life. Mm -hmm. Have you? No. Okay, so we will face obstacles. We will have difficult decisions. But if we can get some locus of control, we can get out. Is that right? Do you agree, Melissa? Yeah. I just, think we're on the same page. Yeah, it's just turning, turning instead of counting on other people or waiting for life to happen, is to instead of being the, dri the passenger of your own car, is just to be the, the driver and to take actions. Even if they're really small, and like you said, sometimes we need a little bit of help with small steps. I always say, too, if you're feeling overwhelmed, when you do make these steps, it's a good sign. It just means that you're, you're, moving. You're, you're moving and the goal is too big. So break it down. Even if it's really, really tiny, it's a movement. It's like you're in the fork of the road. You can either continue to keep denying and victimizing or you can take a small step to, to get on the path of uh, – of healing. It's a great point because that's another way people get into trouble is they take a small step and they feel it doesn't count. Yeah. And any step counts. And I'm really glad you brought that up. And I think that um, a lot of what you're saying is so valuable and so important. I'm sure we'll get lots of feedback on this from people in this situation. So first of all, I'm, I'm, that's all the time, unfortunately, we have today. I want to thank you, Melissa, for joining us today. And before we go any further, where can people find you if they want to work with you? You can call the center at 514-777-4530. Okay. And you can also go on the website, helpforanxietydepression.com. Um, and if you're not local and you're looking for help um, locally, you can go online or you can even contact us. We'll try to set you in the right direction. There are lots of options. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I want to also thank our listeners from all over the world for listening to Straight Talk. And I'd like to invite you to come back next week. If you're interested in any of our retreats, therapy, or any other things that were mentioned on the show, check out helpforanxietydepression.com. Also, feel free to drop by our Facebook page, Straight Talk Sandra Reich, and you know, add a comment for Melissa, myself, any comments or topics you'd like to talk about. Uh, don't forget to like the page. And remember, you can listen to this show and any prior show as a podcast on my website, straighttalksandarish.com, or on the app of your iPhone on I or on iTunes under Straight Talk with Sandarish. Drop me a line anytime at info for help. I'm sorry, info at helpforanxietydepression.com. My name is Sandra Reich, and I promise I'll help you learn to live your best life again next Thursday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, and this is relevant today, keep your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and will tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life. <laughs>